0: Hi everyone, my name's Steve Tudor and welcome to The Friday Show. It's a show that thinks for news has lost its way a little lately. The plots are getting too far-fetched and the new scriptwriters we have drafted in are clearly on ketamine. Today we're going to be looking ahead to a snowy FA Cup third round weekend that will hopefully feature an orange ball at the ground without undersoil heating. We're going to have a chat too about Wednesday's terrific win at Old Trafford where John Stone scored with his huge cojones. Finally, they will hopefully... Uh, also be time to indulge in a little nostalgia thinking back to favorite fa cup moments of old to do all this i'm delighted to be joined by two guests who are sunny in disposition no matter the weather it's howard Hawking and joe butterfield you right, joe
1: yeah i'm all good thanks yeah all nice to be uh, back on for the first time in 2021
0: yeah it's good to have you back on mate and um a welcome return to to howard it's been a while has it? Oh, Doesn't on
2: this show? You no, know, I'm being
0: sarcastic.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I don't know, the Friday show it might be. Uh, yeah, yeah, possibly. I, can't, I, I don't know. One day, I didn't, wasn't even sure it was Friday, to be honest. <laughs> but it's but um, this is, The only way I know it's Friday is that we're we'll recording this podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Oh, well,
0: we do have an FA Cup weekend ahead of us. Yeah. Um, but before we look at that, let's look at the uh, League Cup semi last Wednesday. For consecutive games now, City have looked much sharper uh, and nearer to the side of 2019-20. 18-19, um, I should say. What are they doing differently to earlier this season, Joe? Why are we looking so much better in the last couple of games?
1: I feel like it's it's largely down to the fact that we've now got a bit of a solid defence um, yeah. In in the team that is that that base with Stones and Diaz means that we don't have to keep playing this you know this double pivot and sort of it felt for a long time like we were setting up our teams more concerned with the opposition's strengths than than what we could do. Um, so obviously having a good defense there means that you don't really have to consider that anymore, and we can just go out and do what we're good at without having to have that constant in the back of our mind like we're going to give away a stupid goal here or something like that because at the moment we don't look like we're really going to concede. If if at all, we don't look like we're going to concede more than one these days, Um, and I think that that's taken a lot of pressure off the attackers um, because obviously we went through a period where no one was really scoring any goals at all, and it felt like every time a chance came up, they wanted to make they wanted to make that chance. A, like an open net basically like they tried yeah. too hard because they knew that because they knew there were defensive frailties it's like this you know getting this goal really matters because we don't know what's going to happen behind us um, whereas now that's definitely is that's definitely a lot a lot less the case there's there's very little chance that we're going to concede goals so if we so if, if the attack is getting those positions there is therefore less you know less intensity on them to to get that which is which is probably helping them put them away. Um I think it's also the fact that players are just going back into form. I think you know a lot of us were quite down on Gundogan earlier in the season whether that was just because he was playing alongside Rodri. Um but he's now sort of showing like his best form at the club I think since that sort of run at the end of 2018-19 where he was playing as a 6. Um, Bernardo's getting a bit more back into it. He's not necessarily bringing goals and assists, but he's having much more of an effect on games than he was earlier on. And um, I think I think Mara's being taken out has sort of helped us a bit. Um, I I think obviously when Mares is is on his game, he's great. But when Mares is not on his game, really sort of leaves us a bit short. But I think the fact that he's gone from being undroppable to having a a bit of a you know a couple of weeks where he hasn't really been the starting player has sort of is sort of his his inconsistency not being on the pitch has made us more consistent if that makes yeah, sense that does, yeah. um but um Ultimately, I sort of, I was listening to, um, the review of the United game just before this. And as ASAN says, it feels like we've sort of updated the system. Um, if at the beginning of the season, it it was clear to all of us that we were in a sort of a period of transition of some sort. But I think we all kind of assumed that it was like a squad transition and that it sort of needed three or four new players before we'd be back to the back to our best levels. And it, it, you know, it still might. We still might need a few players to sort of fill gaps in the squad, but, um, It's become clear now that it's been a transition of system um, which looks like it's it's, it's clicked into place and we look a lot better for it
0: well that's certainly my interpretation of it would you go along with that Howard it feels that kind of you know whether this has been intended from the get-go or whether this has just kind of evolved in in Pep's mind along the way but it certainly feels like it's a case of right let's tighten up at the back solid kind of base and then we start to be more expansive as you know the defense is sorted out does it feel that way to you?
2: Yeah, it feels like him implementing a new system and it taking time, basically. So yeah, yeah I think there's about a hundred factors. I think like it's very relevant that City weren't didn't have a match fit squad for at least the first month of the season because they didn't have a preseason. And I think Pep's been very conservative. This team, obviously, which are, he's not completely changed the system. I mean, he's he'll have done lots of little tactical things that I won't even notice and see. You know, I mean, things like Cancelo, just in possession, and out possession, and drifting into as a midfielder sometimes rather than a full-back. and it's not—it's not been an overall, you know, completely changed formation type thing. And obviously, it's so fluid with Pep anyway. Uh, how can you tell some of the time? But I do feel he's just been paid. I mean, I criticised him so much, but you know, it's, it's me backtracking now in a way, and maybe. Maybe I'm going too far the other way now, thinking everything's brilliant, but it feels like it took time for this team to get going because that was the natural progression of a team that in this you know, in a year of a pandemic that finished the season later than everyone else and didn't have chance and didn't have time on the training pitch, didn't have a pre-season, and these players had to have a break of sorts, then we hit a huge amount of injuries in the early weeks of the season. You know, lots of little muscle injuries for three or four weeks. And it's taken until about the beginning of December until as other teams' players are you know, dropping like flies that Pep could say, I've pretty much got a full fit squad now. Now, of course, we've then since lost players to COVID. Uh, but you can put players in. And look at that semi-final. I don't think has played that well. I don't think Sterling did. But the system works better. So yeah. the team was still played well as a unit and I think he's, you know it does all come from the base really I mean yeah if a year ago last season would we have lost nine games when you've got Ruben Diaz blocking shots here there and everywhere s- sliding along the floor 10 yards before intercepting a, a through <laughs> pass I mean you've we've got that we've just got we've always need I don't think we've had one for many many years we've got a defensive partnership yeah, I mean, yeah. A, a solid one. Well you just build have,
0: everything from that. We're, we're going to move on to that very shortly, Stone DS, because it's a fundamental part, of course, of our improvement. Joe, could it also be reason, though, that COVID, conversely, has kind of brought this squad together? I mean, this is just my interpretation, but you're certainly seeing in the celebrations after the game on Wednesday, it's a very unified squad right now, and it's almost like they've been decimated by COVID, and it's a case of, right... Let's go out and prove everyone wrong. It's it's another thing to kind of overcome, and it seems to have solidified the group and and give them a real cause. Um, or am I reading too much into that?
1: No, I think I think that sort of that prove everyone wrong mentality is very much is very much part of it. I don't think that's necessarily exclusive to the current COVID crisis, although yeah. I do think that helped because I think obviously after Everton's statement and after sort of, we all saw in Pep's press conference before the Chelsea game um, just how much you know if that's how if that's how sort of up for it and invigorated he was after everything that had gone on with Everton then that will have definitely transferred over to the squad and it looks like it has done given how they've sort of responded to that. Um but I think that sort of in this last couple of like in this last month or two basically through through December at least where we've we've had this sort of run of games where we've we've looked all, we've looked quite decent as opposed to being quite inconsistent. Um it looks very much sort of like we've got a good mentality back. It feels like how it was after sort of after Pep's first season, where, you know, Pep came in and everyone was like, oh, you can't handle the Premier League passing out from the back. What's all this? And sort of, you know, that sense of everyone out there has just spent a year sort of taking the piss out of us for passing it out from the back. Like, let's, let's show them what we can do. And we went on and won the league with 100 points. And I think that after the, after the start of the season that we've had where, a lot of people wrote City off. I think a lot of I think I sort of wrote City off, to be honest, after the first couple of months of this season where we looked so far off it and we looked well behind where the the levels that Liverpool were putting out. I think they thrive off that off that opportunity to prove everyone wrong. And I think that, you know, we all saw in the celebrations that came after the final whistle. I was sort of when United did the United did the same thing after they beat Villa, and everyone went over to hug Eric Bailly. And I was just I, I was the first one to text my United supporting mate and sort of tell him how small time it was to wildly <laughs> celebrate that. But obviously, as soon obviously as soon as, as soon as Diaz and Stones are uh, hugging each other in the loving embrace after we've uh, got through to the Carabao Cup final, I was all for it. It's uh, it's um, yeah, it looks like the whole squad is is sort of pulling in the same direction. It's it's just it's good to see, and I think that that definitely is it, it has all stemmed from that you know let's prove everyone wrong let's 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 show them what we can do that okay. that's
2: that hug of stones and diaz definitely needs a titanic soundtrack over <laughs> well <laughs> i was gonna Celine say day warbling here
0: i've 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 had three great loves in my life um my <laughs> wife manchester city and a stones diaz partnership Right now, I don't know what order they come in. <laughs> <laughs> um, Howard, you mentioned them earlier then. Um, let, let's kind of wax lyrical about these two because they have been fundamental to City's kind of improvement in recent weeks. And God knows where this could take us as well, frankly, if, if they both stay fit. Um, so let me just ask you that, Howard. How good can those two be if they remain fit?
2: Well, they can be what they are right like now. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean... The thing that annoys noisy about that late Chelsea goal is it's, it's ruined John Stones' run basically of just barely conceded with them in the team. So obviously it's not going to last forever. They'll make they'll make mistakes. They'll lose a bit of form. But this is everything we've needed for yeah quite a while now, at least two years. So uh, I'm just I'm so happy for. I mean I'm so so happy for John Stones. It's like. I can't even put it into words. You know, I've I'd, yeah. I'd given up how many times, it's the Vincent Company story in a way, how many times did Vincent Company break down, you know, about two to three years before he actually left the club and think, that's it, that's the final injury that's done for him, it's time to move on. And I must have, in this summer I thought, that's no way he's staying at the club, but I thought the only way he stays is because he's not sellable. And, Then I heard he wants to fight for his place and thought, well, fair enough, but, you know, not getting my own hopes up, to be honest. And I just want him to stay fit, really, because you can see if he stays fit, this is what you get. So, and his confidence is up and he's got that partner, and those two have got an amazing bond. Uh, As for, you know, just makes me think where Laporte fits into this, but we've got Laporte and Ake not on the pitch as backup, so. That's, yeah. yeah. Considering, bad, what, considering where we were a year ago, that's a ridiculous position to be. In. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, well with just, the kids just coming go, through, Garcia, as well. we don't need you anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah,
0: well, with the kids coming through as well, it's kind of, you know, fifth and sixth choice. Um, where does that leave Laport, Joe? I
1: think. See, when this first happened and it was Laporte was out of the squad, it was very much sort of, there's nothing personal going on behind the scenes. There's no no actual issues between Pep and Laporte. Um, It literally is just because Stones and Diaz are playing really well together. And I think that that's probably true. But there's going to come a point where Laporte's probably going to be annoyed that he's not getting as many games as he would be I'd like to think he won't because ultimately end of the day if you, if you can't hack a bit of competition for your place in the squad then you probably don't deserve to be at a, at a massive club um and I, and I think that Laporte has definitely sort of shown enough of himself and as, you know we all Laporte was the reason as soon as he came back from his injury last season we looked a completely different team defensively Laporte is an incredible centre-back but at the moment there's no reason to bring him in um I think he'll definitely, he'll still get games across the season because uh, as much as we all might not want to sort of think of it happening, John Stones is probably going to get an injury at some point. How serious it is, we don't, I, I can't, you can't really predict, but at some point he's going to be unavailable this season you would imagine. So Laporte will naturally be the one who steps in for that, for that sort of role. But for me, and I know that he's only been here for a few months, but for me, the more concern is um, is Ake um, because obviously he's gone from starting for Bournemouth every single week to sort of coming in and being. When he first came in, the idea was obviously that Diaz would be a, Diaz and Laporte would be the first choices. You know, Stones would be Diaz's backup because he's right-footed. Ake would be Laporte's le- um, backup because he's left-footed. But now the two right-footers are playing the games, and so. Laporte will obviously be the one who comes in should one of them go down. So then Ake is just sitting on the bench anyway at that point. And and yeah, it's a bit... uh, Obviously, you know, new signings that we've made have have all taken 10 to 12 months to sort of get to adapt to the system and sort of, you know... just adjust to how Pep wants things to be. And it's going to be even more difficult to do that in this season, where there's so few one one-week breaks between games and there's no so much less time to work on the tactical uh tactical side of things. But, you know, if it gets to the end of the season and an Ake looks back at a season where he's only played 10-15 games. I think you're probably gonna have a bit of a, a worry there on that side of things, but hopefully hopefully he's up for a bit of a challenge because I think there's there's gonna be opportunities for Ake at some point over the season. Same with Laporte, but it's it is it is a bit of a worry, but I don't think long term it'll be an issue. I mean Ake wasn't even fully
2: fit for the semi final anyway. Well, so.
1: Yeah, this is this is the this is the other thing. Ake has not had the best of luck with injuries as well since no. he came in. I mean, if we if we believe what Pep says every week when he's not in the squads, it's it's because he's not fit, so maybe is AKE our new John Stones now? I don't know. It feels like he's never available for any of these games. So,
2: yeah. yeah a player we'll who was rarely injured before he came to assist. He's now injured.
0: Yeah. So, always the way. Yeah. Okay, let's look ahead to the Birmingham game um, on Sunday. Um, a difficult team prediction, um, this one. I mean, it always is, obviously, with Pep, but particularly so when I talk about uh, the Cup and suddenly players down with COVID and injuries and the like, and players returning as well, and us not knowing how fit they are. So, um, Howard, let's chuck it over to you um, any names that stand out for you that will definitely start any names that will definitely not start do you think will be rested
2: Look, he's not going to throw the kids in is he let's be honest It's just mm. not going to so pick, take your pick from the senior players Let's uh, Edison not heard anything was having a test felt good and was having another COVID test day, but you'd think Stefan would stay in the side anyway you know for f a Cup game at home to Birmingham, so again, you know our case someone would like to if he is fit, this is the game for him, and you've got to think of the players that might actually need game time, so I've no idea until the press conference, perhaps when Pep will tell us more the ones that are coming off you know testing positive for covid so Jesus and Walker on the bench, were they're not yeah. on uh, yeah, yeah. Wednesday, they may be no fits, or if they're on the bench, then you know. If they've got match fitness or just general fitness, I think they it would do them well to play because, yeah, it actually helps to get fitness to play f- proper football. So those two could be possibilities. Obviously, Sergio is going to start <coughs> after that. <laughs> just uh, pick some names out. No. Yeah, you know, I don't know what I don't. I play Laporte if he's available and fit, but we don't know. Uh, it's more a case of who would you rest and the obvious one is Kevin De Bruyne but otherwise will he, will he otherwise he's going to go strong, he will go strong I think so, Bernardo was yeah, Silva was suspended maybe he'll play him but he might rest him for the Brighton match, I mean it could be anything, like youngsters wise I mean you've got uh, obviously Eric Garcia would have come in but he's injured anyway someone like Cole Palmer I think tested positive for Covid Yeah. Uh, Howard oh, Bellis, maybe. I'd, I don't know. You may see... You, you can have nine subs, so we're going to see some youth players in that squad, definitely. But I still think the vast majority of them will be on the bench and not in the starting lineup. So. Well, Tommy
0: Doyle is one, isn't he, who's got Kobe, if I'm yeah. right, and he's someone who I could have actually seen
2: playing. Yeah, um, last have yeah, at uh, uh, the lap, no, he's not going to start if Sergio is. Um, no. But, I mean, they could you know, they could fill the bench with quite a few of them, but I, I don't. I can't see. He'll still go quite strong because he always does. So. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, how do you feel about Sergio's um, start the game, Joe? Um, from what we've seen and from what we've heard, he's, he's still struggling right now. And, you know, uh, uh, well, you can imagine him being subbed on the hour, but 60 minutes, does he have it in him right now?
1: Uh, I hope so. I think he's it's one of those where with Aguero is it's all well and good him getting 10 15 minutes at the end of games that we're already winning, but ultimately he's got to start a game at some point. And I think yeah. I think Birmingham in the FA Cup is probably sort of the ideal game for him to do that. I've got a mate in, um who I work with who uh, runs a Birmingham podcast. Um and my god, Birmingham are in an awful way at the moment. <laughs> um they've got they've got they've got uh, Ito Karanka in charge at the moment. So they've gone from sort of that the club has gone from playing a lot of attacking Tiki-Tacker football to now being this, you know, a Mourinho-esque sit back and defend, but now that but but they just can't defend. So that, that you know, for 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 someone like Aguero to sort of come into a game like this, where we're playing against a team that are in the division below anyway, who probably who probably realistically don't have this competition very high in their list of priorities at the moment with the way they're performing in the league right now. Um it could be a good game for him to get into and I think ultimately it's one of them if, if he just runs around a bit and it gets his fitness levels up and doesn't necessarily have the best actual performance but gets some like some minutes in his legs then I'd like to think that because it's Birmingham we could probably still win the game yeah. with that happening yeah. um but yeah it's uh, if he gets 60 minutes in his in his legs i'll be i'll be more than happy but I'll be I'll be happy with him just playing a half of football to be honest and then if we're doing well at half time then uh, Pep please bring on Dilap but I, I don't think he will but um, yeah. yeah I'd quite like that to be the that's the ideal situation but for me you've
2: got to take the gamble at some point and start him haven't you yeah yeah, yeah. otherwise what's the point yeah um, I've, got, I've got a Birmingham supporting friend as well I texted her yesterday saying are you confident and she just laughed back at me so mm-hmm. <laughs> she would consider a 3-0 an excellent a 3-0 defeat obviously an excellent result for Birmingham but but these are what reserve games are for. I mean, scrapping
0: the central league is, you know, I, you know, I know, there's a variation of it. But um, you know, Sergio, you need some reserve games. That's what it, that's how it used to be. Players would come back from injury, play huh. a couple of reserve games. But yeah, um, we
1: never do that, do we? we don't yeah. I don't think I've, I don't think the I can't think of the last time, apart from was it when Tevez had to play a a game in the reserves after he came (laughs) back from after after Mancini banished him after the Bayern thing. I'm sure he played. (laughs) I'm sure he played a reserves game, didn't he? And then that was. I think that's the last time we've put a first team player in the reserves to get some fitness levels up. But maybe it's just not how it's obviously not how Pep does things, is it?
0: All due respect to Birmingham, but it'll amount to a reserve game possibly on Sunday, given how poor they are right now. I mean who knows though, it's a it's a cop.
2: Anything can happen. Yeah, they um, do pick out the the odd good result bizarrely yeah. but they're generally terrible for the next four. So yeah, you know, I think they won might have been Brentford or something like that. One at Preston, but then they'll concede four you know, lose four one home to Middlesbrough. Uh, it's just it's a shame here. This is this is the match really that's hit me. I'm saying no be now a couple of birmingham fans anyway who I would have been out with on sunday yeah uh, not yeah. not at, not in the ground sat next to them obviously this would have been a wonderful experience cuz you know city sell out for fa cup third round games it would have been a tenner probably to get in birmingham would just don't matter how bad to doing they'd have sold out that the third tier of the the south stand it would have been a brilliant day so but yeah. i've always liked birmingham cuz
0: i think it was 87 maybe 88 for eighty eight, um at Saint Andrews and they were trying to get rid of the board and they were singing Sack the Board and then the City fans started singing Sack the Board. So <coughs> then the Birmingham fans applauded us, we applauded them and it was just a, a nice little loving. Uh, very rare in football. I've always liked Birmingham ever since. Um okay, score prediction. Joe, what what's your fancy?
1: Uh, I've gone. I've gone really high for this. I took a look at the recent results beforehand and sort of mm-hmm. spoke to my mate and sort of how bad they've been. I've gone. I've gone. I've gone four nil. I think it's just going to be. Yeah. I think it's just going to be an easy, easy. And we're probably going to lose now, but it's going to be. A, I think quite it's high gonna, scoring.
0: It's going to be a low block, and if we can get through that low block early doors, then uh, yeah, it, the floodgates could open. Um,
2: Howard, what about yourself? I was going to go for the same, so I'll go for 5-0 and be optimistic instead.
0: I, <laughs> I was going 5-0, so, yeah, 5-0 or 4-0. Um, you have to go well, 6
1: like, nil, Steve, this is how it is. <laughs>
0: yeah, go then I'll go 6-0, but I will take a 1-0. Um, you just, you know, as, sorry to resort to cliche here, but you just want to be in the hat, don't you?
2: You know, <laughs> you just want to be in that next round. Um, then, that, that, just a uh, quick, quick note that they're drawing two rounds on Monday. Are they really? <laughs> yeah. Why? Why? Why anything? It'll be on the why no. on the one show? Why any- <laughs> <laughs> That is weird. I have I no think idea. It's for that. I don't know, because of the circumstances to for teams to plan or I don't know, but if you don't yeah. know if you're getting through, I've I've no idea to be honest. Crazy. Okay, well, from that
0: craziness, let's look back at, well, some of the crazy times, actually, because I've included in my favourite FA Cup moments involving Manchester City, which is the next kind of subject we're we'll going to discuss, some pretty crazy times. Um, I'll I'll just take the lead on this one and go first on, for some reason, whenever I think of City and the FA Cup, it's a comeback to Spurs, which I won't go into in case one of you two have, have chosen it as your favourite. Um, but I always remember that late equaliser against Blackpool in '88. Paul Lake, um, well,
2: Paul Lake says he scores it.
0: <laughs> I couldn't have beat anyone. <laughs> Let's face it, there was 22 players on the goal line at that point.
2: <laughs> and the video quality is not the best.
0: On yes, point, exactly. But um, I went pretty much home and away to every game that season. I think there was two away games, Plymouth and midweek and one of I missed. But I was like 12, 13, went home and away. That particular game I had the flu, and I listened to it on the radio and I never listened to City on the radio. And um, the, you can imagine what the commentator was like with that goldmouth scramble, which went on for about 20 seconds, didn't it? Uh, and then when it finally went in, I just remember just you know feeling well all of a sudden and just running around the house cheering. Um, so that's a favourite memory of mine. Um, and of course, there's some obvious ones as well. Howard, um, favourite FA Cup moments involving Manchester City? Oh, full time against Stoke. That's it. Really? Yeah, I know it's a surprise, but yeah. Waiting my whole
2: life for that yeah. moment, so... Yeah. <laughs> that is it, or when they lifted the cup and went up the steps soon after. Uh, yeah, I, nothing's going to match that, really. Uh, well, maybe the time, time the goal or? went in, maybe the goal against United in the semi-final. It's uh, a little chuckle at watching Paul Scholes being sent off was a nice little <laughs> cherry on top of the icing, on top of the cake. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, there's obvious ones like the Spurs. A personal favourite that you know doesn't compare to full-time at Stoke. I was at Villa Park when, and very, very young, probably 17-year-old Michael Richards scored on last yeah. last gasp equaliser against Aston Villa. <laughs> and we'd swore in the afterwards. Yeah, uh, he, we'd completely outplayed them. And I think you... What's that long... Milan Barros, is it? Scored yeah. for them, second half. We battered them, and we're going out and... Deep, deep, deep into injury time. That's one of the, yeah, one of just a handful of occasions where I've flown over about seven rows of seats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, yeah, that was just a brilliant uh, moment. I won the replay and I think then went out to United as as is tradition at the time. Uh, yeah. But that moment was just, yeah, you know, when you're just seconds away from going out of the cup and well, your younger yeah. youth players come through the ranks just bangs one in oh that was yeah special
0: just um, quickly Howard the, the final against Stoke knowing what you're like and knowing what was on at stake and knowing what it ultimately meant to you were you nervous in that last 10 minutes because I no. weirdly
2: wasn't no it wasn't that bad I can't mm. say I've got crystal clear memory but I don't think I was that bad no which well, is sure. weird in a way I don't the city would just it felt fated yeah. didn't it it felt, yeah, obviously anything can happen, and they had had a chance. They had one chance at 0-0 early in the second half, I think. Yeah. Uh, but it, it just didn't feel like we we're going to mess this one up, no. So, no, from, my, from what I think I remember the time, I wasn't too bad at that, no. Yeah, consider, all things considered, yeah.
0: Joe, um, favourite FA Cup moments involving City? Um, the
1: well, the first one uh, Howard's already mentioned is the obvious one: beating beating United uh, in at Wembley in the semi-final. Yeah. Uh, knowing knowing what you're like on Derby days, Howard, I can't imagine <laughs> what that day must have been like for you. I've been drinking since
2: six a.m., so it was probably alright. <laughs> it
1: it was um, yeah, because obviously we sort of we knew that the final was going to bring Stoke. Um, so obviously it was a case of whoever wins this is is going to kind of go on to win. The, if United beat Beatles they would have probably gone on to win it themselves as well yeah. so it was it was very much a sort of we have arrived kind of moment for us because it was it was you know that was United were the ones who were stopping us from getting a trophy basically and you know to to get through that was just crazy at the time I was considering that, that was that was when sort of the trophy started as well it was the first one that brought brought it all with it but the um the other one that I've that I've picked is is sort of more of a funny one. It's um it's it's the FA Cup against Chelsea in uh, in 2015 yeah, when yeah. Pellegrini played all the kids, <laughs> um, David uh, David Foulpaul scoring a, a goal. Uh, it was just mad. It was just mad for this the whole the whole situation. It was it was just it was a game because obviously we were all annoyed at the time about how the the scheduling had been set up and how ridiculous it all was. Um, but honestly, because of the team that he'd put out and because of sort of knowing that the Champions League was around the corner, I kind of just took it as a bit of a laugh and enjoyed it. So it was a bit of a it was a bit of a no pressure kind of game where it was it was that brief moment where did we score the first goal in that game?
2: Yeah, I think we or, did, yeah, no, yeah. Yeah. We're, yeah. I think yeah, was, so and they, I think it was one at half time, and then obviously just they like, turned the, screen yeah. the second half. yeah. Yeah, they, they absolutely battered us in the
1: end. But that brief moment where it looked like, oh, we're actually doing all right here with kids, it was just it was quite it was quite nice. But um, yeah, it was just it was just a bit of a bit of a funny game to be honest, which is why it's uh, up there for me.
0: Yeah. Well, what about FA Cup finals then? Um, me and Howard are the same age. Joe, uh, say so you're a couple of years younger. <laughs> what's What's the first FA Cup final you can remember, mate? This is see. This is
1: it's a difficult one because for me. So the FA Cup final like hasn't really had that kind of same. I haven't grown up with the FA Cup final yeah. having that same sort of like reverent, reverential sort of day of football that it used to be back uh, back in the day. Well, sorry so to I interject, was... but
0: I'm not surprised at that because for about 15 years it was United, Arsenal, and Chelsea. Ex- exactly, just, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> so uh, apart from when I was like very young, like it's always been as far as uh, whilst I've been growing up, it's been pretty much big teams that win it, that win it yeah. all the time. Um, so I went back through, I had, to, I had to go back to Wikipedia to sort of go back through the finals and see which was the earliest one I remember. And, the earliest one I can actually remember watching is Chelsea beating United one 0 in two thousand and seven with Drogba's extra Drogba, time goal. Because yeah. I, I look back at the previous ones, I recognise the score lines and I, I remember that they happened, but I, I couldn't tell you a single thing about the games themselves or who scored or anything like that. Because it's just they just fade into memory. So yeah, the only one that I can actually remember physically watching the earliest is um is is that is that final because I just remember. Obviously, back when, you, especially when you're quite young as well, like sometimes laughing at United is more important than celebrating City winning. So it was, uh, it was particularly hilarious going into going into school the following days and just
2: taking the piss out of United mate. I mean, that's got nothing um, yeah. to do with age.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm in my 40s. I still feel that way now.
2: <laughs> yeah, my first memory is about 2007 as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, of so course. So. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> Go on then, Howard. You, it's yours the same as mine. What's yours? I don't, well, they're not They're not good, to be honest, so maybe we should just move on. <laughs> the 80s. So obviously, c- City in 81, I won't say I remember that, but, well, I won't say I remember it clearly. Right. Uh, I can't We're the same age. What's happening here? Well, you know my memory. I don't really remember much of childhood. I don't remember... You know the people who... <laughs> No, but you know that people remember every single detail of a children's programme they watch. I'm so like, how yeah. do you remember stuff like that? And <laughs> yeah. really, I remember more. Yeah, like United Brighton, eighty two, eighty three. after the replay, they missed mm. a chance. And like the Everton-Watford games that followed. And obviously yeah, United, I remember that clearly. Yeah. yeah, Moran being sent off against United-Everton and then winning an extra time with that brilliant goal. Yeah. What's his name? Whiteside, number no, one Whiteside. Whiteside. Yeah. I don't know if he's the youngest scorer at the time. And then just after that, there were sort of, you know, belts as Coventry beating Spurs and Wimbledon beating Liverpool are ones I definitely remember a lot more. So you probably, yeah, because of my rubbish memory, I'm probably, it's really until you get to the mid-80s that I have stronger memories of them. And, well, yeah, you know, I used to, you say, it's just a different world then. I used to put my full city kit on, go <laughs> around to me. I was, I was 22 at the time. Go <laughs> uh, around to me mates at the bottom of the next road of the cul-de-sac and we'd just watch the whole day. Teams arriving, the build up the road to Wembley, and obviously, I don't know if United were playing, I can't remember what I was thinking, but there just wasn't that tribalism there. So it was just, it was an experience. The whole final day was an experience, uh, which is sadly gone now.
0: Well, I remember 81, that was the first first one I remember quite clearly, being at my nan and granddads in Colwyn Bay, and... Um, my brother was a City fan. I was just becoming a City fan. I was six or seven. Um, but I also remember liking the Spurs kit. Um, but they obviously hurt me because the following year, that's the one I really remember well QPR, Spurs, and really supporting QPR because of, you know, wanting revenge on Spurs. So, um, yeah, I do remember them. Um, I remember saying to someone that I was both a QPR and a City fan. <laughs> Jewish.
1: Yeah, yeah, because I really 93, 20 must have been difficult for you then,
0: Steve. <laughs> yes, it really was, really. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Until he the date stayed up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I celebrated twofold. <laughs> um okay, let's look at the kind of wider implications of this weekend. There is players coming down with COVID, there's teams having to pull out the tournament. Um Shrewsbury, I believe, is one, um, giving Southampton a bye. And yet this is still the FA Cup third round. It's still a special fixture on the footballing calendar and maybe we need the special moments like that right now um how do you feel about that joe do you feel that football maybe just kind of looking beyond the fa cup in just the last kind of six months and, and last year has football played a really important part in just keeping us going
1: yeah i i had a um i had a listen to sort of the chat that um because i think you spoke about after the chelsea game with lloyd Mm. um and I, I sort of fall probably close to what Lloyd's view was about it to be honest I think football being around at the moment is like is quite is really important to me at the moment but like the football itself feels less important if that makes sense yeah like um Rory Smith I think it was who I don't really generally have a lot of time for wrote a good thread on uh, on Twitter about how like the sort of relentless non-stop nature of all the football has made it feel like it's not an occasion anymore it's sort of just like it's just background noise um but having said that it's quite it, it's quite good background noise it's a way to sort of escape and just like not really worry about things at the moment i think the united game is a prime example um obviously well into derby day mode when that game was was happening but about halfway through the game um, my girlfriend's brother texted me saying yeah Yo, have you seen what's going on in america right now mm. and i hadn't and i had no idea what was going on I, to be honest looking back at it, i'm quite happy i didn't have a clue what was going on because you know if it wasn't for the football being on that's that would have been very much like at the forefront of what i would have been watching or sort of reading about at the time which would have been a lot more of a depressing way to spend an evening <laughs> uh given you know on top of everything else that's currently happening at the moment um and that's not to say that i just sort of want to blank it out anytime the world's a bad place cause you've got to think about it at some points but I just want to sort of be able to acknowledge it when I feel like it and not just have it relentless or just beat into me every day. And I think I think football, especially with how often football is on as well, it feels like it's basically daily, sort of provides that uh, ability for a lot of people to forget about things like, you know, constant COVID updates, constant, you know, Brexit updates, the American election, stuff that just beats you over the head every single day otherwise, which, you know, just takes over your daily life. I've seen... I've seen a lot, few people... Obviously, we had the the COVID numbers spike um, at the beginning of this week, I think it was, but it's sort of around the same time that City's numbers went up. And a few people were sort of calling for the closure of elite sport as well, sort of, you know. I don't really... I I think that's a pretty... I don't think there's any need for that, to be honest. I think football is sort of one of the safest industries going at the moment. Players are constantly tested. um, They're monitored daily on a physical level anyway. Um, They're sort of... They're far more safe from COVID than... Say, for example, my girlfriend, who's a primary school teacher. Um, and I know a lot of people sort of say, well, it's only football. It's not worth the risk. But, you know, I hate to be the guy who brings up the wages, but it's a risk they're quite handsomely rewarded for. And they're far more rigorously tested than anybody else in the country anyway. So I think if they're, if, if they're going to get it, they're going to know about it and they're going to be able to take the necessary steps to make sure that, you know, that they don't pass it on and everything like that. So for me... I think that that's something that the, the, the protocols are in place for football to continue. The sort of capability for football to continue is certainly there. And um, yeah, I think that for the sake of the mental health of a lot of people, you know, millions of people watch it every single day. And I think for people's mental health and sort of for the ability to escape escape what's sort of going on in the world generally on a daily basis, it's it's that's far more important to me right now.
2: A week ago, I didn't want football. Yeah, you know, once it all closed down, then we would beat yeah. Chelsea. Liverpool lost to <laughs> United. Uh, <laughs> it's but, been a good. I, it's been a good week. And I think football has to continue, Steve.
0: <laughs> well, Howard, we've we've talked about this a few times at other pods. So let's just say that, that that football was shut down right now. But there was no FA Cup games this weekend. Uh, how much of a difference? How much of a contrast would that be to your? Um, and I don't want to say this lightly. Your kind of mental health, really, getting through the next few days. Um, in comparison to the being wall-to-wall football. And I do appreciate what Rory Smith said. I agree with him, and I do appreciate what you said, Joe. And you've said similar, Howard, as well, where you've said it's in the background that it feels like a screensaver almost. But hmm. without that there, without that screensaver, how depressing would this weekend be?
2: Indeed, yeah. I, I agree. I think what uh, the point made by... Who was it, sorry, that made that thread? Uh, Rory, Rory, Rory Smith. Smith. Yeah, yeah, I've not watched... Match of the day for about a year mm. because I don't need to because every <laughs> single game has been piped that's, into that's my true. living yeah. room. I'm, exa- I'm exactly the same. Relentlessly, that I don't need to. Wa- yeah, I don't. It's just, just nothing I want to watch. Uh, so, yeah, no, you're right. But the caveat is I've just. Looked at the you know, for this podcast. Looked at what's on. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I could tick ninety percent of them off and go. There's just no interest in any of those games whatsoever. Yeah. And one of the ones that is, you know, Aston Villa against Liverpool is now going to be a bit of a a non-event probably, which is troublesome for Klopp because he can't throw the match now if he's playing a if he's <laughs> played a youth side. So. You're right. It's so much richer for having sport there and having the option to play it. I know loads of people have said, "I don't want to watch football. It means nothing." Well, don't then and stop. Yeah, you know, I'm getting quite bored of people to repeatedly saying that they have no interest in it. You don't. No one's forced to watch it, but it is there. And look, should football continue? At the end of the day, yeah, they are tested more than anyone else. It's a simple question: if the risk. If the health of footballers is ever at risk, then it must stop. And if it isn't, then yeah, obviously it can continue. And it's, it, it's that simple in a way. Uh, so it will continue. And I don't think you can compare it, you know, saying, all well, school teachers have to go, well, obviously they don't at the moment, but that doesn't make it right because schools shouldn't be open, in my opinion, anyway. So. They are providing the service footballers, but what we've got to get away from is the hysteria of when a match is called off like we saw with City. Yeah. You know, and just accepts that, that we, must we must be cautious. We must be cautious when we do find cases breaking yeah. out. Footballers are not immune from being very ill with this the coronavirus. So whilst it can continue, we have to accept that matches will be called off. And the problem with the FA Cup, of course, is there's no other time to play them, so yeah. that that leads to completely new arguments.
0: Well, yeah, I think ultimately it comes down to bread and circuses. We've always needed bread and circuses, um, no matter what the circumstances, and particularly in bad circumstances such as what we we're experiencing the last kind of year or so. So, and football is our bread and circus; it's uh, always has been. Um, so the games that are going ahead, and you know, Touchwood are kind of COVID-free at this point. Which ones, Joe, stand out for you as potential upsets uh, in that great tradition of the third round?
1: I've I've sort of got the um, I've got the fixture list open in front of me now, and I would have, you know, what I think I would have said Villa tonight would be the one, um, mm. that would be uh, whether you could call sort of two Premier League teams one beating another an upset is, uh, you know debatable but um i would have thought that villa would have a good chance for precisely what you sort of alluded to before i think Klopp is going to put out a weak team because i don't think he's got any desire to play any more games this season than he than he absolutely has to in the league um you know what i think i think stockport might might have a good chance against west ham on monday nice. um it's at stockport isn't it so they're playing on yeah, the they're playing, is, on a, yeah. on a, playing on a on playing on a non league pitch um I think that's I think that's always that I think the lottery of playing on a non-league pitch, especially for Premier League teams, is always is always going to exist. Um, and I'd I'd love for Stockport to win that game as well, just just because it's Stockport. Um, other than that though, I think I think most of the Premier League teams have uh, the the big the big ones that that look like they could cause massive upsets uh, are basically non-league teams playing against Premier League teams like obviously Marine playing against Spurs that would be that would be amazing if that one if that, that one got would pulled be off
0: incredible
1: but, <laughs> yeah but I uh, sadly sadly I can't I can't see it myself um, no. a random one I think I think Oldham might have a chance of beating Bournemouth because that's been moved to. Away from home for Oldham, and I've got uh, my girlfriend's family support Oldham, and they are they are terrible when they play at their home ground, but when they play <laughs> away from home, they're quite good. So I think now that it's been moved to away from home, they'll be they'll be fine. Otherwise, yeah, otherwise I can't really see any that particularly stand out to me as ones that have potential upsets on the cards. Yeah. Well, without
2: crowd, yeah, you kind of lost the just lowers Over the, the chances yeah. of a you know big yep. upset. So I think there's. Newport against Brighton. Newport riding high in their league, so on Sunday night, that's a Sunday night one. Uh, is a possibility because Brighton, obviously, the risk, the chance of a uh, upset will come probably against. Obviously, we don't know what sides all the managers are going to put out, but it's the managers who've got other things on their mind and they're going to put weakened sides out that are at risk. And I think Brighton well, I don't know. I don't think it would be. Hopefully, uh, concerned about the FA Cup this season. So, well,
0: that's what I look for. I had to do uh, a few betting previews this, this week, you know, ahead of the third round. And I think what always stands out for me are teams who basically they don't need the FA Cup right now. It's a distraction. And then you look in the championship and you look at teams like Swansea and Norwich. Swansea are looking phenomenal at the moment. Their defense is watertight. Looking, they are looking the business. And yet Stevenage against Swansea. I don't know. You look at the promoted teams over the last few years. Not many of them have got past the third round of the FA Cup in their seasons, which you know they've got promoted to the Premier League, and they throw them
2: basically. And I think Swansea might do that. And well, Norwich t- t- the Championship sides have got obviously they've got more games than you know. Yeah, the ones that are going for promotion to the Premier League, that's everything, and they'll scrap exactly. everything else, especially in a condensed season when they've got forty-six games. Yeah, that, that's probably where you look for shock, yeah. So, well, so Stevenage
0: over Swansea for me. Um, Coventry away, Norwich. Again, Norwich are flying, but um, less of a shock because we're both in the championship, but I'm going to uh, put a bit of money on Coventry. And for a real traditional uh, uh, upset, Crawley against Leeds. Um, <laughs> I just want to see Crawley Town come up against Bielsa Ball. But in addition to that, Crawley have a prolific strike force, a front two who have just got... Well, it's well over 20 goals between them this season. So they've got goals. So, uh, (coughs) yeah, Crawley against Leeds is a possible kind of repeat of Colchester against Leeds from 1971 for those old enough to remember that. Right, guys, let's um, wrap it up. Thank you very much for joining me today, Joe. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks, Howard. Yeah, enjoyed that. Thanks. And thank you very much for listening in. Um, Before we go, 9320, would just like to congratulate City Extra for hitting 100,000 followers on Twitter. It's an incredible achievement in such a short space of time and the work that they do, including our our guest today, Joe, uh, right across the board, it's consistently excellent and a credit to our fan base. I'd also like to personally say, as someone who's worked in this area for some years now, that this past year, it feels like there's been a sea change regarding the sites, blogs, pods and vloggers who are involved with City fan media. There used to be petty rivalries we used to keep to ourselves. Recently, we talk each other up, we help each other out and we collaborate This is only a good thing, and long, long may it continue. Take care of yourselves, everyone, and forever up the blues.